The views and opinions expressed on From the Mouths of Madness are that of the panel and not of the Geeks Under the Influence Network or their sponsors. Amazon.com and TeePublic.com. Listeners, beware. everybody welcome back to another episode of from the mouths of madness uh since uh hope you guys have been good since we talked to you last <laughs> yeah staying safe out there i know it's a rough it's a rough rough world um <laughs> man you get deep for the get beginning deep, here man. look get at that deep man uh it's been a sad week it's been a sad week in the horror community we'll get to that in a second with me as always is my co-host f.u hunter what's up bitches and tonight we have with us again mike riser hey guys now, Mike was selected for this episode because, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Stephen King's birthday was this past weekend, September 21st, it was a Saturday, and the man turned 72, fucking 72, and he's been writing for 60, 70 years, 50 years, 50 years, I think his first story came out when he was like 18. Damn. Yeah, he was definitely writing as a teenager, but the I first believe one Rage was when he was 15 or so, and then sat in a trunk for a while. Yeah, he, he sold his first story in 1967. That's incredible. Wow. Fucking short story in 1967. So, yes, uh, outside of me, uh, Mike is probably the biggest Stephen King fan out there. I swear to God. He knows he's read all of his books, except for like two. I haven't kept up with him as much with new stuff as current, a lot of the current readings over the last 10 or 15 years. So, you know, he's definitely got me up on that. And he's also read the stuff with his sons. Really big into that. Um, so it's Joe Hill and the other one is Owen King. Owen King, that's right. Owen. And actually, Owen writes a lot like his dad. Yes, it's Joe, a very similar style. But mm-hmm. Joe looks like his fucking dad. He look, dude. If you put a picture of King up from the seventies with his against his beard, yeah, next to that, next to Joe, it's fucking identical. It's <laughs> fucking creepy, dude. Creepy. Um. So yeah, this is gonna be an episode all about Stephen King. Just you know, kind of what we what got us into him, what we've read, what we enjoy, uh, just some highlights of his career. Uh, so on and so forth. Kind of celebrate the man's, you know, celebrate what he's what he's achieved so far. The fucking dude is like a icon in literary horror. Not so much in film, because there's only a handful of really good. Uh, you, you can go <laughs> back and forth with that. Some of the stuff based on his stuff is is iconic. So. Yes, that, no, that is true. Some of the greatest movies ever created yeah. were based off his stuff, but also handful <laughs> compared yeah. to the amount of books he's written. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about this uh, this episode. Now, I, I mentioned earlier it was kind of a sad week. Uh, if you didn't notice, prior to this episode releasing, we released an episode um, all about Sid Haig. Uh, he passed away, I believe it was two days ago. We got the news yesterday morning, or it was either late the night before. Yeah, I just noticed it on the, on everywhere when I woke up that he, he had been announced that he passed. He'd been in poor health for for a while. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had he had been in the hospital, I think, for two weeks up to that point. But the last thing that was actually posted about it was that his that he was on an upturn, like he was doing better. Uh, and I guess something, you know, I, we don't know. We, we, anyway, that we did discuss that in the previous episode. But you know, definitely want to make mention of this on this episode. If you didn't see that getting that that got posted up, you know, you can go back and it'll be it'll be on the stream wherever you can where you find all our podcasts at, and you can go take a listen to that. Just a short little episode we wanted to do, just talk about the man's work and his life, celebrate his life as a, as a high, uh, the horror icon he is, and just an all around good fucking person he was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're sad as shit. Now that we're right. sad as shit, we gotta get happy again. We just need to be like Stephen King, do some coke. 
That's right. Lots, that's right. Of, lots of coke. Lots of coke. <laughs> and direct a movie about machines. Directed. I, you knew I was going to start jumping oh all God, over that. I'm not, I'm not jumping into fucking Maximum Overdrive, dude. Well, we will be discussing some goddamn I know we will, overdrive. but motherfucker. Okay. All right. It's just, look, how many movies has Stephen King directed? Grand total of one. Okay. And that's Maximum <laughs> Overdrive. And they did it while he was coked out of his fucking mind. We have to bring that shit up. Okay. I, I know it's going to come up. I'm just saying, I don't, not, not off the bat, please. Can we at least like warm up? <laughs> The listeners, before we like just ram a finger in there, that's right. That's okay, right. gee, that's what he did with us. We'll, Stephen King just came straight out and was like, "Ugh, we'll take it. it." We'll loop it up a little bit. So, yeah. all right. So, uh, first off, I like maybe we can go around and just talk about what first introduced us to Stephen King and actually made us want to kind of pursue him because I mean, once you found out about him, it's even at our ages, there were still tons of stuff prior that you could go back and and look into, right? Yeah. Know? So, I think the first thing I had any involvement with Stephen King was I saw Pet Cemetery. Mm. Watched that in the theater, really fucking dug it. Went back and got the book, read the book, and then from there, I, I'm not a huge reader, but like Stephen King, middle school, that was like my go-to. Like I've read it, uh, Misery, Pet Cemetery. You know, not a shitload, but enough that like he was like he was an inspiration. Like I loved his shit. So yeah, I feel that totally. Like <laughs> uh, opened up my eyes to a whole different type of world of horror. It was crazy. Yeah, when I was a kid, two authors dominated my imagination because their books were absolutely everywhere in the 1980s in paperback form. You'd find them in beach houses, friends' parents' houses. And that was Tom Clancy, who wrote cool as shit stuff about spies killing other spies, and then Stephen King. They say never to judge a book by its cover, but those Stephen King paperback covers captured my imagination in my early days. It with the hand reaching through the sewer. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember that too. That that yep. was that was a badass. fucking rad coat. Oh man. Oh, actually, they uh, that was I think the first thing that got me into Stephen King was the miniseries of It. I can't remember if it was because like it, it actually it could have been the miniseries of Salem's Lot. I think my mom might have been more okay with me watching that prior to It because it was a little more low key yeah. than It was. But it's right around those two when I was like six or seven. Watching the miniseries versions of the, uh, you know, adaptations of those, those two movies basically, and then as I got older, you know, I'd see, I started seeing more of his movies. Saw Pet Cemetery. Um, I think I saw Maximum Overdrive in a TV edit once when I was younger. And like this is not scary. Um, I remember I actually saw Misery in the theater. I had finished reading the book and I was like so stoked. And it's it's funny because I went in and I was pleased with it, but they definitely cut out a few things that I was uh, that was in the book that was not in the movie. One of the earlier ones I caught in uh, was Carrie. And I remember me and my cousin were watching it because my uncle was a huge film collector, my Uncle Bob. And um, he's one of the reasons I have a love for film that I do now because we used to just sit and he'd show me all these old OG classics. And he had Carrie. And so my my mom and my aunt and and my Uncle Bud and a bunch of other adults were in there doing adult stuff, whatever. And we put on Carrie. And next you know, we're getting yelled at because we're looking at a bunch of boobies. I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a bunch of boobies, and we're I like didn't. eight, so I'm going to watch boobies. Okay? I didn't know that was going to happen. I had no idea at that time. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it's boobs. Like, well, they're yeah. Brian De Palma boobs, so they're very artistic. Oh, very, very artistic. Well shot Well boobs. shot yes. boobs. Yes. Well shot boobs. And that movie really struck me, struck a chord in me as far as, that's a pretty hardcore film. Yeah. You know? It's uh, kind of crazy to think that, like, De Palma was filming Carrie at the same time Lucas was doing Star Wars, <laughs> and they were co-auditioning like people. So um, the blonde haired dude and Carrie auditioned for fucking Luke Skywalker and like a lot of the same actors and actresses auditioned for both movies. That's fucking rad. I didn't yeah. know that. You know, that guy was also the guy in house. Yep. 
Tommy. They got to play Tommy. And he's actually going to be at Monster Mania 44. We're going to in Hunt Valley next weekend. There he's going to be there. Kind of want to get House signed by him because that movie is just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure that's the first Travolta movie is Carrie. Oh, that's right. He yeah. was in that. Yeah, yep. he killed the pig and all that. No. Was that, his, was that his first one? I don't know. I think it was. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. That's crazy. Fucking, I'm fucking Carrie. <laughs> He's like a douchebag. Fucking slaughtering pigs. It's so weird. It's so, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then um, as I got older, I started reading his books, and then I kind of just went backwards of everything that he'd written and just... Well, I've seen the movie and I started reading the books. I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, the movies that I thought were good, once you delve into his his writing, it's so rich. I mean, it can be a little much at some times and you've got to like just kind of cliff note read it at certain parts because he, he did get a little too rich with certain things. But overall, it's, it's such an enjoyable read. You feel like you know every character and everything he's ever written. You feel like you understand them. Uh, even if it's a character that's only in the book for like maybe a chapter and then he, he gets killed off or you never hear from him again. You feel like you knew that, ch- that character for that second that he was in the book. It's ridiculous how well he describes everybody. I would say, not even just going to the, the full-length books, but his short stories. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. You know, some of his short stories have made some of the best fucking movies. That is very fucking true. Like, um, you know about Shawshank, obviously. Yeah, Shawshank. Stand By Me. The Mist. The Mist. Yeah. Yeah. Even a short story that uh, is in Creepshow 2, um, I fucking love. So. The Raft? The yeah. The Raft? Gods. Yeah. The Raft's awesome. I just rewatched Creepshow 2 uh, a so couple weeks good. ago, actually. I mean, the other two stories are all right, but fuck, The Raft is goddamn amazing. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job with the novellas and short stories. That was actually my gateway drug to Stephen King. My dad, recognizing my curiosity, gave me a copy of different seasons that had the body uh, in it. And he taped off, of course, the short story that the author writes in it that is very, very full of sexual content. And Dad, I know you're listening. I totally untaped it and read it when I was a young kid. (laughs) Um, So gotcha. But yeah, it's just incredible the way that he's able to capture these worlds, even in just like short understanding of characters. He has such an ear for dialogue and such a quick insight into what makes a person tick. And it's really remarkable that way. I like how you brought up the body, and I was like, I, oh, yeah, also that one, you know, for Stand By Me. Like, mm-hmm. Also that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah. Because, like, I mean, that's not really considered horror, but it's amazing. Like, it's the most fucked up, also amazing coming-of-age story pretty much ever written. I think it's interesting. I mean, the two top directors that have really kind of picked up on how to direct King books are um, Rob Reiner, Stand By Me and Misery, and Frank Darabont, Shawshank, Mist. Green Mile. Green Mile. Yeah. yeah. So it's like those two directors, for some reason, I mean, there's some are right, King, but those those movies are solid, every single one of them, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely got his click. I mean, and I can never pronounce his name, uh, his name or last name right, but it was a Mushetta. Who, who the fuck did it? That director. All right. I'm not sure. Did he also direct the new Pet Cemetery? No. Okay, good, good, good. No. Because I, I thought I he did. And that's where I was about to kind of... He was going to lose points for that. I don't believe that's him, no. All right. I, don't, All right. I hope not. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to believe that he, that's not yeah, the case because uh, um, uh, that uh, new uh. Pet Cemetery sucks ass. That movie was fucking awful. Yeah. Like, I tried to give it some, like, credit. I'm like, okay, it's... I don't really see the sense in doing this remake, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's creepy. I don't hate no. it. And then literally the last 20 minutes, something happened. I'm like, fuck this pile of shit. 
There's a real challenge in drawing out any of the good content from Pet Cemetery because you kind of have to take one of a couple approaches. The reason the book works so well is because, A, it is relentlessly grim and dark. It might be the most apocalyptic thing Stephen King has ever written. He regrets actually writing it and putting it out there into the world. Um, but it's also one of the most tightly plotted books that he's ever done. And the thing is a rocket thriller. Um, the earlier Pet Cemetery, I think, really got the plotting right. This one kind of tried to strike a balance between the darkness and the thriller plot, and you kind of have to go for one or the other in order for it to be a success. I will say the only thing I appreciate about the new Pet Cemetery is that they knew that most people had watched the original and then were going to this. And there's a scene where John Lithgow, is, is, uh, Judd, is pretty much bending down, and it's, and it's a, it's a close-up of his fucking ankle. And you're like, all right, we know what's going to happen. And then nothing happens. And I was like, they literally just did that shot just to fuck with us before he actually gets his yeah. Achilles. But like, there's a, there's a <laughs> close-up of his fucking ankle. They knew exactly what they were doing when they, <laughs> they did that. And they added some of that supernatural shit into it, like where he's like seeing his dead wife, the little girl. That's a, uh, not on, a good man. addition. No. And then the, oh, the whole ending was not a good addition. No. Where like, they're all aware alive, and they're like making a zombie family. Like, all right, fuck off. I think everybody that went into that was expecting, all right, I enjoy the It TV movie, but that first It movie was oh. fucking kick-ass. So going into Pet Cemetery is like, I I really appreciate the original Pet Cemetery movie, but update it. It's going to be fucking badass. Nope. Nope. Go back to the first one. Back yep. to the first one. And that's saying something. Cause, I mean, the first one, I've rewatched it. I mean, it. I, I still enjoy it, but it definitely it didn't, really help, it didn't hold up 100%. You know? I'll say this, though. I, I love Herman Monster. Much oh, more dude, than Fred John Lithgow. Yeah, Fred Gwynn was awesome. His accent he You're nailed down. Own. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes dead's better. Sometimes dead's better. Fucking. <laughs> got your cat. I've got your cat over here. <laughs> That's your farms remembers. That's all that is. That's the, the entire yeah. movie. He's just a Patrick farms remembers when the dead walked again. Well, I am glad that John Lithgow did not try to copy that. That is that true. That would have been shitty. Yeah, he's just like, a shitty alcoholic. He actually wasn't... He was probably one of the redeeming things in the movie was actually Lithgow's role, I feel like. He wasn't horrible. I'm so... I, maybe, but I'm, I'm just so fucking angry at that movie. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, he, it might have been, but by the end, it was like, fuck this movie. So maybe he did a good job. I don't know. And they didn't utilize Zelda at all, really. Like, the, the trailer makes me think there was going to be like a brutal scene with Zelda and like, no. 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 Right. That's insane. First one had better Zelda. It did. Great job. So that's one of the horrible things that has come out that's been adapted by Stephen King. We pretty much we pretty much nailed all the good ones. You know, we've already mentioned that. Like Shawshank, Stand By Me, The mm, Mist. I know uh, Mr. King would not agree. Green, the Green Mile. But I will say... <laughs> the Shining. The fucking Shining. He fucking hates The Shining. I that, know. That goddamn it's movie's amazing. Based on his book, that's one of my favorite horror movies. I understand Mr. King um, appreciates the TV version of The Shining <laughs> more, but uh, he's alone in that because uh, oh, fuck trash. the TV movie. Kubrick Shining is a classic. So yeah, the Kubrick Kubrick Shining is it, it stands on its own, man. It's it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's why he objects to it so much. Is it's kind of like an adaptation of it, the same way the Fargo TV series is an adaptation of the original movie, as in it shares a name and some themes and nothing else. Uh, the TV adaptation did a much better job of getting into the mythology of that world, including what drives The Shining, how it's passed on from generation to generation, and it's more consistent with this universe. But 
it's not a more enjoyable product to sit through. No. 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 Oh, and that this shitty CG fucking maze. Oh. No, I, I lost it. Yeah, that and I lost at the end when um Danny's grown up and he's graduating and there's his imaginary friend that we've seen through the entire movie. And then his dad, and they're like, "We're proud of you, Danny." I'm like, "Nope, fuck that. Nope, this is some dumbass shit." Yeah, there, all right. It was Ready Player One had a better sheen of the Shining than the fucking reboot <laughs> miniseries I, did, dude. The Ready Player One. I'll be honest. I going into that had no fucking clue there was going to be like a ten minute Shining part of that movie because you don't think like, oh yeah. This is going to have that in there. With the blood. Like, they're, yeah. they're like swift. They're like getting thrown around the hotel in this fucking river of blood. It was amazing. Dude, the bathtub lady fucking attacks someone. I was yeah. like, this is some hardcore. <laughs> I was like, this is, what's this rated again? Like, what the fuck? I mean, there was just a flying Chucky stabbing the shit out of people, too. I understand. But <laughs> yes. still, was again, was not expecting to see that much of The Shining. Yeah, that was, that. but The Shining, again, that's another one. I'm trying to think if there's any other, like, stellar standout ones. I mean, there are other good ones. I mean, we've got Children of the Corn. Yeah. Of the Corn, I've rewatched that uh, last in the last couple months, and I still enjoyed that. Um, Cujo. Dead Zone. Fuck yeah, Cronenberg's Dead Zone. Yeah. Fucking right. With the perfect actor in that. Oh, Christopher Walken, come on, man. The uh, Netflix Gerald's Game has to be mentioned in terms of the great adaptations. The I book is seemingly unfilmable, but it nailed it. Thank You know, damn right. I watched that with the wife. And I'm just like, how the fuck are they going to do this? And I, tried, I explained to her, I was like, no, this book is literally 85% all in her head. How the fuck are they going to do this? And sure as shit, it was amazing. And the way she got it, the way they filmed her getting, like, that's where the budget went, was that final scene of her getting out, right? And, yep. Oh, Jesus a Christ. Fearless performance from Carlo Gugino. Yes. Then the practical effects in it are tough to watch. Yeah, it is gruesome. Tend- How do y'all feel about 1408? Eh, it was, I sat through it. I didn't hate it, but yeah. I don't really rewatch it. Yeah, that's you know. kind of the way. Like, yeah. it wasn't shit. It wasn't terrible, but eh, one time. Yeah, that that lead actor is never going to interest me in a King adaptation, especially after Cell. Was that Cusack? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson, on the other hand, okay. Cusack. Samuel Jackson will be in anything, all right? Like, there, he has his agents doesn't call and ask him, and his agent says, all right, you're in this movie. There hasn't been a lot of Cusack family success with Stephen King. Um, the A Perfect Murder adaptation with uh, his sister Joan, whew, not good either. Yeah, that, that's right. Which Whoa. one was that? It's uh, a perfect murder. It's a story of a wife slowly discovering that her husband is actually a notorious serial killer. The Stephen King short story is punchy, fun, weird, and interesting and twisty. The movie, though, it's dreadfully boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what are some... Let me see. Oh, uh, actually, there is... Was it 1921? Ni- yeah, 1922, 1922, I think, 1922. is the year. No, 1922, Some 20s yeah. depression era. Tom, like Tom oh, Jane, like... Tom Jane, yeah. Uh, that dude, talk about getting in the fucking role, man. Like, he was a farm... He was far more like a motherfucker in that movie, dude. And uh, that's a... That was a amazing... I've read the story, and the story is an amazing ghost story, and they filmed a perfect ghost story, right? Because it wasn't done like Supernatural Ghost. It was it's like he... It was his head, right? Like, people are haunted by their ghosts, right? Yeah. Until the end when apparently it is ghosts. But, you know, throughout the whole movie, you just think it's him slowly going insane. It's fucking stellar performance by the whole cast. Man, how, I get the husband doing it, but how the fuck does a son murder his mother? Jesus Christ. I mean, unless you're Norman Bates, but still. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing we haven't really brought up, and there's, in my opinion, two really decent miniseries. I don't count anything after that, but obviously we already brought up the, it. I enjoyed, as a kid, The Stand. Yes. Obviously, I know there's a lot of things in there that were taken out or changed. 
but just growing, watching that on TV, I, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. Um, any miniseries after that, though, uh, between the Tommyknockers and you know, Bag and, of Bones, uh, there it's it's pretty fucking uh, rough. But those two, those first two, were fucking badass. Yeah. And then they just sucked ass. Yeah, yeah, they did. They were, they were pretty <laughs> fucking terrible. Unless yeah. I'm missing one, is there is there a, a TV miniseries, the Armor King one, that was good after that? Yeah, the Mr. Mercedes show is absolutely fantastic. It's sad it has such a small audience because I believe it is a Dish or DirecTV exclusive. If that thing ever hits streaming, it's going to be huge. Absolutely amazing performance by Brendan Gleeson as a washed-up, old, retired cop. That's a series, though, right? Yes. Like a, like a season Full-blown three, three season. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I remember when they announced that because it's a trilogy. Okay. Mr. Mercedes books. And um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm stoked about that. They're... There's actually a new adaptation coming out, hitting Netflix next week. Oh, yeah. In the Tall Grass. Yeah. Yeah, with, where it's something he wrote with Joel? Yeah, he wrote that with his son, Joe Hill. Joe, yeah, okay. I was making sure I wasn't him, but I'm, I thought it was with Joe, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Going back to the to the grassy corn. You know, and it's all one of the same. It's the same stuff. Yeah. And fucking Creepshow miniseries is starting off with The Gray Matter. Which is a short story Ooh. in Night Shift, if I remember yeah. correctly. Which is a good story, but they got Tobin Bell and Adrian Barbeau in that shit. They're, so they're, they're starting off pretty strong with Creepshow. <laughs> right? I mean, granted, it's a Marilyn King who started it, but to start off with a King short story is pretty awesome. Now, next month, mm. we've got a King adaptation hitting theaters. Uh, two months. Was it two months? I it's thought November. it was. Oh, November. Okay. Yeah, when? but Dr. Sleep? Yeah. Well, now. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm, well, I'm not expecting The Shining. Now, and I'm, ta- I'm not talking about Kubrick's because there's no fucking way it's going to be that. I'm talking about, I've read Dr. Sleep. The book is good. It is not The Shining. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm going into it at, with. Right? I'm just going into it like it's going to be good. It's definitely going to have a lot more uh, Dark Tower in it than The Shining did. Yeah. I'm optimistic because it has such a phenomenal group of villains in it. The True Knot, who are true players in the Stephen King universe. They're incredibly creepy people disguise or not people but entities disguising themselves as old people cruising the country in rvs killing the youth so that they can steal their energy to live if done right that'll be great um yeah dr sleep is definitely a lesser stephen king work mm. um aren't they the same people as um that were in the hearts in atlantis too yes they show up in hearts in atlantis yeah. and they also show up in joe hill's nosferatu which has its own tv series I heard that now series as well doo-doo though <laughs> yeah, there, it leaves a lot to be desired. I was excited to watch it, and I, I made it through the first episode, and I wasn't like blown away. But I'm like, okay, it's the pilot, whatever. And then um, and then I started reading. I'm like, oh, it gets worse. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Speaking of doo doo, I was just gonna bring up what's the King adaptation that just like upsets you the most? That's just the potential could have been there, and it's just a shit pile of shit, fucking terrible movie. Dreamcatcher. Fucking right, God dude. Did. That was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> the book wasn't great to begin with, uh, but... <sighs> I didn't hate the book. Like, I mean, granted, it was in the weaker part of his writing, right? Like, there was that yeah. late 90s into the mid to late 2000s where he had, he had about 10 years where it was like... The only thing good you did in the 2000s was finish The Dark Tower. It took getting hit by the car for him to, like, really pick up his writing again and pick up a lot of steam and really churn out some of his absolute best late career stuff. But, yeah, Dreamcatcher was an all-time low. He did not. There's no way they gave him that script before. (laughs) It didn't matter. He was selling the script for a penny, right? I guess so. Or a dollar. A dollar or a penny. Maybe he should charge a little bit more because that movie has potential. Not, like, based on the book, 
the actors in it, you got fucking Jason Lee, Timothy, all thing. You got all Morgan Freeman, all these people, and you get Jason Lee, shit mob, you know, ass monster, Morgan Freeman, giant eyebrows. It's just all over the fucking place. Oh, giant caterpillar fucking eyebrows. Yeah, which that dude. I, I think I've asked people, is that in the book? Or is that just a... I don't remember them making a point to talk about... Cause is that the, an actor choice? The thing is, where that movie ended was in the first quarter of the book. Like, So they didn't focus on the military showing up there that hardcore right. in the book. They literally took that and embellished on that to finish the movie out. They literally only used a quarter of the fucking book. So, so there's a good chance Morgan Freeman just rolled up in there and went to costume design and said, I want giant fucking caterpillar eyebrows. And they're like, oh, is that part of the character? He said, no, but just fucking give them to me. Just like he knew not to take this movie seriously because it's, it's fucking terrible. I'm glad someone brought that up because I, 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 I walked out of that <laughs> fucker irritating. in the theater, dude. I, walked, I, I fucking walked out of that movie. And I was pissed. I was fucking pissed. King does body horror very, very well in his books. It's a constant theme that shows up all the time. The Tommyknockers horrified me the first time I read it, watching the townspeople just changing against their will as teeth fall out and skin sags. And Dreamcatcher was the same way. It's about people losing what it means to be human. And uh, the movies, unfortunately, in both cases, go for very, very cheesy effects on that that ruin it. Agreed. Another movie that goes along with his uh, uh, great detail in body horror uh, from the novel novel perspective, but was also a good adaptation because, I mean, it was King and Romero again, was The Dark Half. I did enjoy that fucking movie. Uh, again, I rewatched that, I think, last year. And I'm like, no, this okay, this is good. And it's not the book. The book is fucking awesome. Um, is, so the sheriff's department is, you know, keeping the family safe in the house. For those of you who don't know, it's a t- the, the Dark Half is a tie, is a, is a play on Stephen King, and his pseudonym, Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman wrote, the shit Richard Bachman wrote was way darker, surprisingly, um, than the shit Stephen King wrote at the time, right? Because you had Long Walk, you had Road Work, you had Rage, you had, um, what else? The Running it? Man. The, the running incredibly man. grim version of The Running, running man. man. Not the Schwarzenegger happy-go-lucky shit. Um, but yes, so hey, those, some of those, like that shit. those books were <laughs> fucking dark. I heard, and The Long Walk is actually in the, in the works for adaptation right now. Yeah, it too. is, yeah. Next so year. I'm stoked. That's a fucked up premise. That book. <laughs> fucking terrible i know great book terrible premise like it's 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 i don't know how they're going to get get through that and people aren't going to be pissy about you know children being tortured basically all right so <laughs> anyway we, we got one from mike what's, so what's your shit movie hold on okay hold on. but i was gonna say the the dark in the dark half his pseudonym come he buries him says he's done with him because he's a shit person when he's writing there he's an alcoholic he's mean to his family mean to his wife yada yada, yada. so he does this huge press thing and he buries has a fake funeral for the pseudonym name right and then he actually gave birth to it and ties into how he had a tumor when he was a kid too. There's this whole weird thing that you have to read it and or watch it to, to get into that. But anyway, he turns, he get, turns into a real person and he's trying to get to him to force him to write again. So he doesn't die basically. And there's a description of when he goes to attack a police officer at the house. He sli- he takes a straight razor. That's his thing. He uses a straight razor slices up through the dude's nuts and then up into his stomach. But they describe the dude's nuts splitting in half and then no. slapping either leg. And I'm like, oh, yes. are you fucking God damn it. And then it talks about the guy felt his guts fall and splatter against his feet. And I'm like, yeah, that's that that's, but that's King and body. Art. And that's throughout pretty much all of his fucking books. It's awesome. Just that scene in fucking pet cemetery. Yeah. The Achilles. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so my worst. Yeah. My worst. Oh, that's tough. It just angered the fuck out of you. Like, I mean, Dreamcatcher pretty much it did piss me off, but I wouldn't say that's the worst. Um, I haven't seen it. I've heard a lot of people that 
fucking hate the cell. Oh, the so, f- yeah. that was just stupid in general. Cell was fucking dumb. Yeah. The book was dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. I get the premise. It was, it was kind of Romero-ish where, you know, it was basically, it was definitely a play on society and yeah, and, yeah fuck off, whatever. I'm just, I didn't like it. The fucking Dark Tower. That movie fucking infuriated me. That's right. You were not happy about that shit. Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> you can ask my kid. I was fucking pissed. I was cussing the way out of the theater. I was not happy. They, A, all right, right out the gate, PG-13, fuck you. That story is so, not even from a violent standpoint, just the premise, the concept. That's just hard R. I have yet hard to see R. it. Hard R. I have yet to don't, see don't. it. Don't, don't. Wait that's for the why. Amazon Prime series that's going to take the taste out of my mouth, apparently. Yeah. No, it's Right now, pretty, it's still salty from the nut I had to swallow It's pretty much from you, and you just shitting on that movie. I was like, I was kind of curious about it, and on demand, I was like, here, it's free. And then, like, I was about to hit play, and then I just remember low down being like, fuck that movie, and I just switched to something else. Now, I will say the actors did a good job of what they had. McConaughey did do a great Randall Flag. He's a sultry, sexy motherfucker, and that's what Walter, <laughs> I say Randall Flag. Walter is Randall Flag. Walter yeah. Odim, who is, shows up in a lot of Stephen King stories, so Randall Flag from the stand. Um, what? Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler, guys. Hey, Stephen King Universe <laughs> has been around for a while. Um, but he did a great job, I think, as the Man in Black. Uh, he was the, some of the magic scenes looked like shit, but his personality I thought fit Walter fairly well, especially for being as old as Walter is now. He's yeah. very old, so he's very he's even more like I don't give a fuck. I don't have to expel any kind of energy. I'm just gonna do what I do and then just snap a finger and yeah, turn you inside out kind of thing. Um, it just Alba did great as Roland actually from the uh, honorable side of it. He was not the grizzled. I like this. I like that they gave him actually a lead, like an action lead role, yeah. though, because that happens. I mean, look, anybody that watched Hobbs and Shaw knows, like, he's, Yo, he's, he was, a, he's a great villain, but yeah. nice he was a yeah. you know a hero every once in a while. He did good from an honorable side, but that wasn't Roland, though. Roland had honor, but that had all at the time and place that they were using for that movie, it had all been taken away from. Him. He had all, he had lost all of that. He had one thing and one thing only that he cared about. And it didn't matter who the fuck he destroyed to get to it. So that, the Roland we saw in the movie wasn't the Roland that we know from the books. I don't know, Mike. You can agree. I mean, you can agree with me on that too, right? Yeah, I agree with you as well. It's a, a very different take on that character. I think Idris Elba played it excellent based on the script, and I have no quibbles with the performances. The elements that are missing are the problem. Um, it, again, it's like a fan fiction take on the Dark Tower universe. We didn't need a new story in that universe that kind of does its own thing. When the existing storyline is absolutely perfect and it misses some of the great elements, Roland's companions, the homicidal characters that he runs across, the monsters, the mutants, the crabs, again, needs a hard R. It's a story that has a sadistic monorail trying to kill people. And instead, it kind of comes off as like a, a YA adaptation like that focuses <laughs> yeah. on the child. Yeah. It's great for kids, I guess. But yeah, it's like it's like they, they took the wasteland, which focused a lot on Jake. Because uh, he was only part of the first one, but it was it was a big part of the gunslinger, but it was mainly in the wasteland. And they just, I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of Easter eggs. Right. If you like, Blaine's in there, you know the mono, and uh, there's a thinny. <laughs> I mean, there's but there's so much missing. All right, how the fuck do you take over twenty five hundred pages and condense it to ninety fucking minutes? Yeah. You fucking don't. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be That's that way. That's why, again, series. And they're starting the series, yeah. apparently, in Wizard and Glass. I saw who they cast as Roland, and I'm like, that fucker's in his 20s. And I'm like, oh, they're starting on Wizard and Glass when he's a, he's a young boy. I'm like, if they do it chronologically, that'd be fucking awesome. I am, I am all in for that. So I'm waiting, Prime. Amazon, don't fuck this up. Come on, man. 
I kind of starting to trust Prime a lot more and more, especially after the boys and some of the other uh, shows they've, they've started having. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully they'll be good with this. The Dark Tower is so important because getting actually into in, into King's like career in his life, he started writing the Gunslinger towards the end of college, and then put the manuscript away. And I think the story goes where he was cleaning out of his garage in one of his first houses with his wife. I think uh, with the older of the sons was just born or whatever. And there was, I guess uh, there was flooding that happened in the garage. He was pulling out all these, you know, boxes that had gotten like moldy right. and shit. And as he's cleaning the stuff out, he came across the gunslinger and he starts reading it and this is moldy fucking nasty copy. And he, it, it, he was like, Oh fuck, I need to revisit this character. And then, you know, it's pretty much the thing that spanned his entire career. You know, the dark tower series is his magnum open. Like that's, that spanned everything he's done because there's everything. There's so many things that tie into it throughout the entire the entity of how when those books have come out, it's amazing. Yeah. So I just it, I just wanted to get at least seventy to seventy five percent of the respect it deserves. That fucking movie gave it like ten. Yeah. All right. I'm well, done. I was gonna I'm say. I keep, I keep going do with you that. think like maybe some of it was like at the time when they were filming it? You know, you had movies like like Maze Runner and Hunger Games, so they wanted to go kind of that younger approach to it. Do the long walk then. Yeah. Now, one thing we had. I, we hadn't talked about it yet is um, I have yet to watch it, but I'm curious if y'all have seen it, the Castle Rock on Hulu. Yeah, I have watched the Castle Rock series. Um, it gets a lot of the great elements of the Stephen King universe very, very right, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, we'll see where it goes, though. It's <laughs> It's got promise, but it isn't there yet. It had, So it's potential, because again, yeah. it's one of those, it's on my list to catch up on, but I just was kind of curious, like, is that worth taking the time, or is it going to like piss me the fuck off and it it's a great story mm-hmm. the ending might piss you off all right now i'm not saying don't watch it i've talked to a lot of people it's hit or miss depending on what you were expecting it the way you were expecting it to go right it the end the last like ep- episode or episode and a half might might piss you off right. it's just, i feel like it's being fair right yeah but it wouldn't be stephen king without a divisive ending <laughs> <laughs> it's fair um fair i personally don't we need to have a side discussion about this later, about if, <laughs> who you think. Anyway, yeah. Um, I would say watch it. Season right. two is getting ready to come out uh, next year, next spring, I yeah. think, or the end of this year or next spring, one of the two. And I am excited to see, I think they're going to Derry in this one. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be in Castle Rock, is it? That's a smart move to move it along. I think I think it's going to be in another town. I could be wrong. I've only read one article about it. It's like all that's really been, that's come out is... You know, all the all the all the outlets threw out pretty much uh, the same article saying the same stuff at once, and then that was it was silent after that. So yeah. I'm waiting for more information to come out about that. I had a friend that suggested watching Storm of the Century before watching that. Is that or is that just kind of a throw? They do bring that into Castle yeah, it does Rock. come up in Castle Rock, okay. but it's a slightly different interpretation of it. Uh, you should, however, seek out Storm of the Century because it's I very well done that. for that's, what it is. That's a yeah. mini. That's a, a yeah. mini series right. after the stand that was actually, that's actually good. Yeah, I, I called it. I ran it on VHS like back in the day. Yeah. I never. I didn't even know it was. It came on TV, and so I watched. Them, I'm like, oh, okay, this was a miniseries. But yeah, it is good. It is good. Um, but yeah, the cool thing about the Castle Rock is they throw in all. There's so many Easter eggs for all the Castle Rock stories. It's really fucking awesome if you're if you're a King fan, all right. and you'll catch it because they don't they're not blatant with it. But there's a lot of Easter eggs just with Castle Rock, and there's tons of Easter eggs for other books. Okay. Especially speaking of one chick who has the last name of a movie we just talked about that you really love, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just cool little little things here and there. They did they did a good job creating a universe. Just like I said, whether or not they can do something fully fleshed out moving forward 
because this is going to be a make or break season. If season right. two gets kind of the same reaction that season one did towards the end, like it, it probably won't come back for season three. No. So, and nor should it. No, it, you're right. It should. You know, you got to get it together. You know, we're we're very uh, <laughs> the way media is now, man. You got to be on your toes. Yeah, we will give you two seasons, right? Yeah, that's pretty don't much. Don't fuck it up. And we'll fuck it up. So, um, there's a, some other things coming out of Stephen King. We have got the stands getting ready to come out. We got a, you know, we got old uh, Scarsgard. I know you went on a rant about that. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> Go for I it. I think it's an absolutely brilliant choice. I know you guys disagree. True Blood being one of my favorite horror shows <sighs> of all time. Only the first couple of seasons, though, and anytime he shows up, it's great. Uh, and I think he's just sexy enough to pull that role off and so seductive. Is he Is he your favorite Tarzan of all the Tarzans? Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but he was good in Straw Dogs as well. Oh, no, really? Oh, There is no convince. If he, he just said that. There's no convincing. He's like, well, it was the better of the Straw Dogs. No, uh, no, he's not the better of the Straw Dogs. Okay, all the right. original is better and superior okay, that, in every way, shape, and thank form. Thank you. I was a little worried for a second. But he did a good job in the remake. Once you posted that, I started thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to think about the character, right? I was pissed off. Because I was more, my initial reaction was to, like, what I've seen him in. And I was like, no. But... Also, what I have seen him in, like especially as Eric Northman, um, did I say his name right? Yeah, Northman. Yeah, okay. I've true, true Blood. I got, I got like three seasons. I was gonna I really say I'm it. impressed because I can't fucking remember um, besides Sookie. I can remember Sookie. Yeah. Sookie and Bill. Sookie. Bill. Um, <laughs> but um, he does. Ha- he did actually do that in the series where he was very nice, and then he would literally rip your fucking throat out. And again, that's one reason why I like Matthew McConaughey as the same as essentially the same character, Walter O'Dan Randall Flag. Um, yeah, okay. I'll give him, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that if the writing is done well, he's not going to fucking teeny bop it up because we cannot have <laughs> a little tween fucking stand series. Okay. That's not how that's going to work, bro. And I don't know why he's going like with long black hair because if they don't make him look right, that completely takes away Randall Fly because it was all about his long black hair with his feather and yada, yada, yada. He needs an update though. In the novel, he has a mullet and a cheesy jean jacket. That won't work in the modern world. He can still have that? regular What's long hair that? and a leather jacket. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to have a mullet. You can have just like regular long hair. That's actually a thing people do. You can even put in a fucking man bun if that makes you happy. <laughs> but um, he looked great in the first season of True Blood with long hair as well because oh, yeah, did Eric did hair. not get a haircut until season two or three. Mm. I feel like we're talking to an Uber fan here. I've never experienced. He said this it was little... his favorite hard I, series. I, I, I can tell. I mean, holy shit! You don't say that unless you mean it. Yeah, I will defend so... True Blood to the death, warts and all. <laughs> warts so, and see, all, so and a lot of warts. You'll, you'll defend <laughs> True Blood season uh, four and on, pretty much. Cause... Everything except for the Were Panthers um, with their sex cult. I, I can't say anything good about that. I mean, dude, they, how can you say anything good about the last three seasons of that, that well, fucking show, man? That's what I was saying. Man. Like, come on, I, I watched it. I watched it, and it just it got. Oh, it had maybe one of the best finale scenes of all time, though, with Eric and Pam ringing the bell of the stock exchange. Fair, <laughs> but it didn't break Breaking Bad's finale, though. I no. never, I never made it that far. So, <laughs> all right, we're not going on a tangent about True Blood. <laughs> yeah, um, how'd that happen? <laughs> but I mean, dude, Stephen King, we, we've only crushed, touched the surface of him. I mean, he. He will come up again. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna do a thing on the stand when the Amazon kicks out this, the Dark Tower. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna do. We're definitely gonna do an episode in the next next two months about Doctor Sleep. Yep. Um. I mean, and actually, I want to try to do a short a little short episode of the review on in the tall grass that looks fucking creepy. All right. Like I watched the trailer a couple times. Like this looks fucking eerie, man. 
and I'm I'm down. If it's anything like the other Netflix specials, Jared Gerald's Game and 1922, I enjoyed both of them. I recommend them, and I rewatched them both, and they hold up very well. So I, I'm 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 loving the year of King, years yeah. of King. It's like a decade of King coming up, pretty much. He really with when it. the it came out, that was a huge resurgence. I mean, he had the Netflix the Netflix movies that come out, but I mean, you're talking about like the fourth highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. You know, and it's something that everybody had seen with the TV movie that hadn't read the book, and yet it kicked ass, and it brought this huge King resurgence. You know what needs to happen now? What? A talisman series. Not a movie. Hollywood. Well, fuck that up. I see it. I see it. That is series property all fucking day. Mike, you agree? I would agree, yeah. That would be a phenomenal one. The last thing, and I'm begging you, Hollywood, if you're listening, no more Carrie sequels, please. Jesus or remakes, please. man. Yeah. No remakes, no sequels. Stop it. Talk about a useless fucking remake. That's my second probably. I, I will rewatch the Pet Cemetery remake over that Carrie remake if I had if I had to choose. Mm, God, oh, dude, it was terrible. One. I man. don't know. They took away everything that made Carrie Carrie in that. Like she wasn't like an out. She only do is fuck her hair up and put her in a fucking sweater, yeah. right? Cece Spacek had that doe-eyed. Like she looked like she could be kind of cast aside and picked on. Chloe Moritz doesn't fucking. No. No. I, no. And, I, and, and it's one of those things I remember sitting in the theater watching and being like, why am I watching this? Yeah. Like, well, and then why? they CGI'd the whole fucking ending, uh, yeah. which was all practical effects in the original. Thank you, De Palma. Yeah. Right? It was terrible. Yeah. I fucking hate that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's my second. That's my second. Yeah. What about Secret Window? That one is just fun and ridiculous to watch. I, I, besides, it's so the, stupid. It's quotable. You, you stole my story. That's about like I mean, the, they, the cast is like John Turturro's <laughs> hilarious in it, but nothing <laughs> fucking happens in that movie. No, it's just it's just Johnny Depp like angry and then killing people, acts and not knowing he's killing people. Like, and that's it. Like, it's just him writing a book. You're like, wow, this is really nothing going on. And then John Turturro shows up with a giant hat saying he stole a story over and over again. And actually, the the short story that's in um. Not four past midnight. Yeah, four past midnight. Yeah, yeah. Langoliers. That. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that could have been a good. I could have been. Now that'd be hey, that'd be good to redo now when we've got better CGI because you mm. need CGI for that. Yeah, that would be that was a good story. I enjoyed reading that. I yeah. did more CGI, better CGI, and less uh, Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, so. yeah. Real quick before we uh, end end um, what we're talking about with Stephen King's, I we are getting close to where we need to start wrapping it up, guys. Sorry, we I guess I could talk about Stephen King for two or three hours, but um. Let's go down a list of what his his Hitchcockian thing. You know, he did do uh, his little cameos <laughs> in a lot of films, and we'll lead up to the most recent. But I can't wait. So we got uh, Pet Cemetery. We've got the Langoliers. We've got obviously Creep Show. Creep Show. Creep Show Two. Yep. Um, what am I missing? He plays a diner patron in a bunch of his um, adaptations over the years. For whatever reason, he seems to show up in that. I saw that on IMDb earlier today. I was in the stand. Yeah. As the as the bike rider, mm-hmm. uh, I forget what his character's thing was, um, but yeah, he's been in that. I mean, I mean, we all, I mean, who, those who have seen it, we know the most recent, yeah, we had chapter which is two. probably his biggest, his longest cameo, like yeah, well, because Creepshow he wasn't a cameo; it was like he was a fucking story, right? right? I still think he had more dialogue in it too's uh, cameo than the whole thing, because in, in Creepshow he's just like, oh, go, he's just reacting the whole time. I wonder what I get for it up at the college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> He's just reacting most of the time, and then like, oh, like there's not a lot of dialogue going on there. Oh, Jordy. Oh, you lunkhead. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. I love that short. Um, yeah, so that's all we can think of. I, I can't think of any more right off the bat. I feel like we're missing some, but that's the big ones. Yeah. You know, 
that's going to wrap it up. Like I said, look for more. Look, you're going to hear more Stephen about Stephen King in the future. There's projects coming out. We're definitely going to watch them. We're definitely going to review them because I know I got lots of stuff to say about Stephen King. Fucking um, Stephen King. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Shit. You probably hear Mike back on those episodes because I I want to hear his opinion on Stephen King because sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. And the man is just a juggernaut. The fountain does not seem to have been turned off on the writing at all. He just had a new book like a week ago, several hundred pages long. It's like two a year still. Yeah. Like two a year. Minimum. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. That's that's just him. That's not including what he's done with like his son. What come out with his son? It's like fuck, man. Like, hey, hey, fuck it. Right till you die, bro. I'm seriously, keep it up. I mean, they haven't been bad. The ones I've read that I have been newer, I'm talking the last 10 years, haven't been bad. I've read worse by you. <laughs> yeah, I would argue that like his late career stuff is going to be the stuff that stands the test of time. Um, the stories in Full Dark, No Stars are so relentlessly grim that it's worth studying for any fan of horror. And Lisey's story, I think, is just one of the most magical books I've ever read. I can agree with that. He definitely, um, he definitely did go dark with that. And surprise, like his earlier ones, more gore, then it went dark, and stayed dark for like through two, two of the two series, like Nightmare on Streetscapes, and then I forget what the next one was after that. Um, and then there was a, like two in between there that was like, Meh. yeah, everything's eventual and just after sunset have Those some two. very funny stories in there, including one about a guy trapped in a porta potty. Oh yeah, I remember that. Like I said, we can keep we can keep going on and on and on, but we need to start wrapping this episode up. But before we go, we do have a little bit left. Um, first off, you know, I want I would love to talk to you about our sponsors. Uh, got the Otis, the OG, Amazon.com. Everything that you're listening to us being recorded on was purchased <laughs> on Amazon. Literally everything. We love Amazon. Every last fucking piece. Um, so basically if you go to GUIpodcast.com, you go, you see our links at the top right of the page and you'll click on links and then it's the first link on that page, Amazon.com. Click through, you click on that, it'll take you to Amazon.com, and then you just shop like you normally would. All it does is because you went through our website and our link, you could just go through our link, but going through the website too, we just get a kickback yep. from normally shopping. So um, once you go through the link once, you can save that to your bookmarks and just keep going back there to shop on Amazon. That'd be great. We would appreciate it. We get a little bit of kickback. Helps us buy more of the sweet swag. Like I just bought a nice, sweet piece of equipment, and uh, yeah, some kickbacks from that would definitely be awesome. <laughs> just got finally this uh scream factory uh halloween three. Oh yeah blu-ray oh man yeah. yeah i just got i got some uh arrow video releases that just that just uh got released today um hellraiser and hellraiser 2 and then uh scream factory's vampires john carpenter's vampires nice so yeah i'll be you'll be seeing pictures of that awesome artwork soon i'll probably post that stuff tomorrow i got something to do later after we record tonight but um so tomorrow being probably when you are not already listening like two days after this gets put out. <laughs> nah, my, my brain hurts. My brain hurts now. I'm sorry. Time. It's the it's present, time. but future. It's like, watching, it's like watching Endgame with time travel. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, doing that's awesome. Uh, the other one, and one of the newest ones, and also equally big one, is Public. Bam. Same way. You see our links on the top of the page and the, and the homepage com. Click on links. It's the second one right next to Amazon, Public. Click on that, and it'll take you right to our Public page. And we have now 27... 20 fucking seven des- designs, I believe. Pow. And like, we've got old Halloween, the last year's Halloween say, ones are back Halloween, up. And we're getting into Halloween time. Yeah, we've so. got alcohol Halloween's back up from last year. We've got our Nightmare, uh, Elm Street Ale one is back up. And we have the uh, the GUI Thulu, um, <laughs> which is fun. And we have uh, a GUI Ouija board one. Yeah. Now, 
which is fun. And then plus, uh, From the Mouths of Madness does have one if that's still horror centric. And then every other show under the web under the network has their own logo up at, for purchase. Also, there are there are variants for like the flagship. There's like I think we got four or five for one strictly that are on the flagship. And then we've just got other fun ones like Fuck Michael Bay because Fuck Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> y'all motherfuckers need Odin. Uh, I mean, there's tons of fun stuff. Check, check it, it out. out. But you know, if you like it, buy some. We love. It. You can get it on a shirt. You can get it on a long sleeve. You can get it on a hoodie. Get it on a pillow. Get it on a mug. Get it on a notebook. Stickers. Stickers. I mean, there's always a sale like every fucking weekend. At a minimum, every other weekend. So it's always thirty five percent off. So the shirts are dropped from twenty to thirteen. So it's well worth it. Yes. So yeah, I, I concur. I concur. I buy. I, I I always buy something every time it's a sale because you know I, I'm shameless and I promote. <laughs> I swear, I think every show recently, either you or Hub or both of y'all are wearing something GOI. All great promotion. Hey, you like that shit? Yeah. Anyway, so that's our sponsors. We got one more thing before we go. So you know what that means. If you listen long enough, you know it's time for... Stump. The Host. All right, so Stump the Host, again, is a little trivia segment, Rapid Fire, where we ask the guest to write six trivia questions and uh, basically Hunter and I just get to see who's got the bigger dick. Oh, not see, this is what happens. He obviously won last time. <laughs> Before that, it was to test our knowledge. I was like, it's dick size now, motherfucker. <laughs> that's, that's coming from a motherfucker that just won last time. You see that? It's now like, it's dick size. Just won, just got laid. It's, you know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, yeah. Last time I was like, it's just test our knowledge. I was like, who's got the bigger dick, asshole? <laughs> All right, Mike, you choose who goes first. Let's start with you. We're going all Stephen King film and television all the time. All right. All right. Stephen King is legendarily not a fan of Stanley Kubrick's Shining. However, he loves the made-for-television version of The Shining, as well as The Stand. Who's the director Stephen King seems to like the best who directed both of those, as well as a bunch of other TV adaptations? Who's the director of the shitty TV movie The Stand? Is that what's pretty much the question? Yeah. Did he direct anything else that you can give me? Any, the Shining. He seems to have also have directed the most number of King adaptations of all time of anyone. He also directed Desperation. Yeah, I've seen all those, too. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's a fucking TV movie director. Yeah. I don't fucking know. I don't know so, either. I'll I, say I, Carlos Reiner. Rob <laughs> Reiner's uh, legitimate son. I have no idea. I have no I, idea. I don't. It was Mick Garris. Holy shit, I know the name. I know Mick Garris, but... Oh, yeah, a workman-like director with a long filmography. Yeah. None of it's spectacular. Yeah, I know. Obviously, if it's the shiny TV movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn it. All right. All right, this one is for you. Stephen King has appeared in a number of cameo roles and the occasional starring role. He was a guest star on what show helping out a motorcycle gang get rid of dead bodies? Sons of Anarchy. There you go. <laughs> Damn it. You knew I knew that shit, man. I, I, as soon as you said, what motor? I was like, fuck, it's done. He knows that. All right. Um, so related to that, this one goes to you. All right. Ron Perlman, obviously the lead of Sons of Anarchy. Which Stephen King television movie adaptation did he headline in which he plays a sheriff? I Oh, God damn it. I'm going to say Tommyknockers. Desperation. That's right. God damn it. I was bar- I was half listening, too. I'm texting Cron right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just that good, fucker. <laughs> All right. The next one goes to <laughs> Son you. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I knew this was an anarchy one. I'm fucked on the rest. <laughs> Which Stephen King movie anthology of short stories contains adaptations of the very funny The Ledge and Quitters, Inc.? Cat's Eye. Well done. <laughs> Motherfucker. Fucking love that one. Dude, The Ledge. <laughs> I had a feeling. The Ledge that- gives me anxiety every time I fucking watch it, dude. Like, oh, the yeah. way that's shot. 
and oh, it's so good. I feel like I so was good. already kind of fucked just because I know how Die Hard. You should have brushed up. You came to a, it was a Stephen King episode, dude. Look, I watched some of the movies again, so no, I I, I had a feeling as passionate as you are about Stephen King that yeah, you were probably gonna rock this shit. But I, you know, give it a fire shade. Of course, the one question so far that I knew went to him. So. Well, I hope you'll be able to get this one. Oh, um, God damn it. That, at least you're not putting any pressure on me. So. Yeah, no no pressure. I think you'll get it because you were mad at her earlier. Um, which Name one of the two Scream Queens who played Carrie other than Sissy Spacek. Chloe, whatever the fuck her last name is. Manazares or whatever the fuck. I think that's close yeah, enough. Yeah, the chick from I, Kick-Ass. I literally right. said her name, so I will give yeah, that to you. Yeah, whatever. Yep. So, Chloe Moretz, we'll give that to you. The other being Angela Bettis in uh, the TV remake of Carrie. So we're not. We're just not going to acknowledge Carrie too. Uh, the rage. The re- technically that wasn't Carrie. That was a relative. Okay, because yeah, they them. killed off a, a character from the first Carrie. Nor should we acknowledge that movie. Yeah. Period. Oh, so fucking bad, dude. And I'm pretty so sure bad. I might have lost count, but I think isn't this the last question? This is the last so one. I'm fucked anyway. So it goes to you. Mm. Um, but you might be able to steal it. Kathy Bates obviously headlined Misery, one of the best adaptations ever. What lesser like Stephen King adaptation did she headline? Dolores Claiborne. Yeah. yeah. God, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was going to say it. Like, I wouldn't you know, be rude. I wanted to let you finish it. It is to hear that. And I'm like, God, why so, can't that be my that? question? Three nothing? Three one. Three one. Three one. Should have been three two. Three one. Still. Okay. Right. You still would have lost. All right. Three all one. Right. All right. So, all right. That's two in a row. So we're tied right now, aren't we? Yes. Two and two? Yeah. Because we tied the first one, mm. and now we're two and two. All right. Right? Now, well, if we tie the first one, then you're in the lead. Oh, but... two and one. That's yeah. right. Because the first one, we we, we tied, and then Kyle... We, so Kyle... We, are we counting the first one? I think we should. All right. So I'm one, one, two, and one. You're two, one, and one. All right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So. Sweet. All right. Better Thank than you. The, better those than are the awesome questions. Better those than the Steelers. Better than the Steelers. I don't know why I said that. I, so. I, don't, I don't know. Those, <laughs> those, were, those were solid fucking questions, man. I, I, that was badass. Um, it was good. And they weren't easy. It's just I know. And I haven't watched Desperation since it aired on TV. I just know Ron Perlman's ugly mug was in that motherfucker. Fucking forgot about it. <laughs> it I'll be, I haven't watched since. I watched it when it premiered on television. And that was the only time I watched it because meh. He's about the only good thing about that whole thing. I'll be the honest. It's awesome, though. Yeah. When, I, when you brought up TV movie and him, all I could get into was uh, him in the Beauty and the Beast show and the like the cat face, and that just distracted me from anything else. And then I started getting into Sleepwalkers, which we forgot to bring up, and shit like that. And then it just went off the rails, and I was like, yeah. I don't know, Tommy Knockers. But I mean, yeah, again, there's so much with Stephen King. We could we could keep 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 going on about you Stephen won King. though, man. I, I know. Barely talked about Maximum Overdrive, you yeah. lucky motherfucker. Yeah, see how, see how that it. works? God see, damn it. I, I was just the good with The video that, games so. electrocute the guy. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're, that, that wraps it up. Um, I won again. And um, God damn it. Really? That's how you end it? <laughs> and uh, and um, let us know what you think. If, you, if, you, if, you're digging, if you're digging the stuff we're talking about, if you have something you want to add to Stephen King that we, you know, we forgot, we can bring it up on a later episode, and I will credit you for the information as well. Uh, you can reach us at lowdownbrown.gui at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram and direct message us. And we'd love to hear comments or things you want to hear about. We'll take that and we'll love create, feedback. We will love feedback and we will work on things people want to hear about and we can create episodes around that. So all about constructive, all about being constructive. So until then, um, talk to you next time.
Do you enjoy stories about drunk men on tractors T-boning a police car? Or someone jumping a gorge in a Nissan Versa? Or literally any story that comes out of Florida? Then you're going to love Booze Clues, the latest podcast on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. We do this show live every month in the dark room in Richmond, Virginia. It is a cavalcade of comedians, podcasters, performers in an investigation or riff on drunken crimes and debaucherous activity around the world. Doors are at 7, show starts at 8. It's 21 up and free. Again, that's at the Dark Room, 2818 West Broad Street in the Upstairs Suite. For more information, go to GUIPodcast.com. This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.